Hey there, Joe. How are you doing today? I am very well, Richard. It is great to be chatting again uh, here this Thursday. Um, yeah. So, um, Joe, what's been going on in your coronavirus world? Well, for anyone who's been listening along, they would have heard about my New South Wales whale apps uh, app, yeah. and yeah. I have exciting news. I oh. saw some whales. Oh, <laughs> that is fantastic. You saw some whales. They were so far off, I basically almost couldn't see them. But <laughs> <laughs> so I was walking along um, the Anzac Bridge walkway and I could see on my app that there had been whales spotted only minutes beforehand. Oh, and so right. the anticipation was high and I was definitely looking at. And then I saw some women just steadfastly gazing on one spot. And so it wasn't really the app that led me through the whales, but more the women. Yep. Uh, and I just <laughs> loitered near them <laughs> and watched and there was some blowing and there was a couple of whales out there and then I ended up at the Nobby's break wall. Yeah. And, again, there might have been 20 or 30 people standing looking out. Yeah. And my app didn't indicate at all that there were whales there, but the people did. People. <laughs> and so, yes, this one came out of the water a bit. I considered posting it on the app, but I didn't know which whale it was, whether it was a humpback or whatnot. So I just decided to not engage with the technology and be present oh, yeah, <laughs> with good the whale. Move. I feel like that would take some sort of experience and knowledge to distinguish a humpback from a right whale or a mink whale at yeah. a distance of several hundred metres. Yeah. Although I am considering levelling up with my whale watching yeah. to buying a pair of binoculars. Wow. But yeah. um... <laughs> I was once uh, on a holiday out uh, in Queensland with my parents and we climbed up a mountain and uh, at the top of the mountain, there are about 10 Norwegian exchange students counting whales and recording <laughs> their movements. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I think they were just, you know, better than spending the winter in Norway. They were out here in Australia volunteering or something and counting whales. Counting whales. Uh, yeah. Fascinating. They certainly had binoculars, a very useful. I mean, I got a, I got a zing from it because there's this whale and I couldn't see its whole body. I did have a moment of fear that it was going to get hit by the big fishing trailer trawler that <laughs> no. went out, but I, but it was fine. And yeah. <laughs> it's probably had to navigate vessels in the past. <laughs> so anyway, it was an exciting moment for me. And yeah. um, have you seen any, Richard, any whales? No, I did download the app after your suggestion oh. and went out last week, but yeah, no whales. So oh. uh, it's, uh, yeah. And I got mixed feelings now as uh, um, some other people just spontaneously came across whales and so on. So, yeah, uh, the app it, it it sometimes promises more than it achieves, <laughs> which is so, uh, so surprising in an app. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite right. No, what about very, you? What have you been up to? Very happy for you. Um, well, I thought I'd tell uh, you, Joe, and our listeners about my fish tank or the Ooh. family fish tank. So another aquatic themed hobby here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. During we had a had a had a fish tank, just a basic thing, a little bit tropical, which is sounds fancy, but it's just because it's got a little heater in it. And unfortunately, our fish tank had just become the valley of the shadow of death over <laughs> the months preceding COVID. Like there was just a series of deaths, and until uh, all the fish died, you know, and I'm I'm like pulling them out, or and you're sort of looking in there. Is that fish dead, or is it just very sick? Because I don't really feel like I want to euthanize the fish but sometimes you gotta 
Um, and the only thing that remained was this snail who was just like <laughs> the lord of the tank, this snail. It was about five centimetres big. And, you know, when it's going up the glass, you can see its mouth and its teeth working away. Uh, it is the boss. So he was the only survivor. But during COVID, you know, we kind of gave it some time and then have just started going out to the pet shops and, and restocking with some fish. And so um, now we have a happy tank with, uh, I'll tell you what's in there, Joe. There are five Buenos Aires tetras. Mm-hmm. Five neon tetras and two bristlenose catfish, which are very cute. They just snuffle around. And <laughs> uh, the snail is still the boss. And okay. I actually have to I – f- I choose to feed the snail with bits of lettuce and kale just so that it leaves our plants alone. <laughs> <laughs> so you are definitely under the snail's thumb right now. <laughs> yeah. Jenna's like looking at that snail thinking, that's big, that's gross. Like we've got to get rid of the snail. And I'm like – I can't just kill the snail for being a big snail. That's not fair. So, <laughs> and he's a steadfast performer. Yeah, yeah, he's a real stayer. So, um, <laughs> I think, yeah. So the fish tank is now up and running, and I, th- it's doing its job of uh, giving me pleasure, helping me look at the fish, meditation, just watching, looking for the catfish, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, at the moment, happy times. Hopefully, all these guys stay alive a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Here's my question. Yeah. Naming or not naming fish? Oh, no, it's not something I do. But <laughs> that's a lot. That's I'm always like that. I don't name cars. I don't name plants. Um, right. It's just, but, but yeah. Is it something you would do, Joe, if you had fish? I wouldn't name a car or a plant, but I would probably name a pet. Yeah. Except I did have some guppies, ill-fated <laughs> guppies, and they never had names. There was There was the pretty one. The less pretty one, the one that jumped out. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's um, contentious with fish because the emotional connection is just not there in the same way, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be fine, but no. Sorry, Joe. there's no names for these fish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. So, um, yeah, what are you reading in the Bible at the moment? Well, um, <clears throat> you'd already know this, but I've already been digging. I've been digging into Hosea in a big way, yeah. um, doing some writing of some Bible studies around Hosea. And I have gotten stuck on one particular section and quite enjoyed reading the verse um, again and again. Yeah. So Hosea's got 14 chapters, uh, a minor prophet. He's writing to the northern kingdom, Israel, and um, there's just this theme from sort of chapters 4 to 11 of, of Israel's complete rejection of God through um, worship of idols and yeah. going to other nations and how they don't love God the way he He has loved them. Yeah. And um, chapter 11, it has this verse um, in verse 4, um, I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. Mm. And it's this beautiful language and it's not seen anywhere else in the Bible, the, the, the cords of human kindness, because I, I'd, I'd not seen that anywhere and I thought, oh, I wonder if it pops up anywhere else. Yeah. It doesn't and it's Hosea's um, creativity, I think, coming through in his poetry. Yeah. Um, but it's this, I think, quite tender picture of God mm. and it surprised me because amidst all of this 
destruction that's being prophesied. And he's God started talking about how Assyria is going to come through and he's going to wipe them out. And the future of this people that Hosea is talking to is really stark and dark because they aren't lots of them will not return to God. Yeah. But amidst that, he's saying, Look at how I loved you. And you know, he's called them out of Egypt in verse one of chapter eleven. Mm. And I think that's him talking about God talking about him making for himself this people group who he saved through Moses out of Egypt. And so he's looking back at this history and saying, I have led you as my people. And it was a tender, fatherly love, lifting a child to the cheek. Even, yeah, yeah and, and bending down to feed them like, ah, so beautiful. And so I loved that verse. It's very tender, yeah, to, to yeah, give, a, give a, a kid a little cuddle with the mm. cheek. What, mm. do you, what do you think the chords of human kindness is about? I still don't really understand. Um, I would have to go read further, I think. But my guess is somewhere, something, the emphasis is the leading, not the chords. Yeah. So that he has somehow bound bound himself to them Mm. and that that bond is... expressed in them loving each other perhaps i i find it hard to understand what do you think yeah oh no i it's like a contrast to leading a um a a cow or an oxen Mm. or something it's Mm. yeah this is very um in verse three it's that image of teaching someone to walk it was i who taught Mm. Ephraim to walk taking them Mm. by the arms Mm. So it's um <laughs> strangely enough I've pictured you know those backpacks that kids wear at shopping centers when the parents don't want them to run yeah, off on the they have a, like a lead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did picture that and I thought mm, no I don't no, think that's right but yeah. there is something there about a bond and a teaching mm. that God does and it's a loving thing. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a positive thing for them. Yeah. I think you're yeah. right. It's just, yeah, a great portrayal of God there. So, Rich. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's lovely. And what about you, Richard? What have you been reading? Oh, at the moment, yeah, I've been reading a, uh, a biography, another biography. I think this might be the second one we've talked about in this podcast. And this one is of uh, about George Whitfield. It's called um, George Whitfield, The Life and Times of the Great Evangelist of the 18th Century Revival by Arnold Dallymore. Oh, did Dave Allen recommend this to you? He did, yeah. Dave's, uh, as our listeners would know, one of our our pastors and friends here at uh, Hunter Bible Church. And Mm. he, yeah, raved about this um, biography. So I thought, well, yeah, if Dave values it, that's good enough for me. So, yeah, I'm underway. And um, it's been really good. George Whitfield uh, lived from 1714 to 1770. He was a contemporary of John and Charles Wesley. Mm. And uh, he was a leader and preacher of the Great Awakening, which uh, is or was a, a series of revivals that happened in Britain and America around the 1740s, mm. uh, which I, I, don't know, I was vaguely aware of, but my history is not great. And so, yeah, it's been really good to read about that. And he was an amazing guy, just a field preacher. Like um, 
he would go to a town and stand in the field just outside of the town and start talking and crowds would gather, like crowds of thousands would gather. They would flock to him, right? Is that yeah. my recollection? Yeah. Yeah, he had a, a powerful voice and you could literally preach or he could literally preach to thousands. And people who were kind of complete non-churchgoers or nominal Christians would have this, what they called the awakening. So. Yeah, sometimes it wasn't the word conversion because maybe they were already sort of air quotes Christian, but it was awakening where they became, uh, you know, repentant of sin, loved Jesus, had a great hope of of heaven, um, overflowing of generosity, just a, a huge impact. Um, and so, yeah, loving all that. And the thing I thought I'd mention today is just a little incidental thing I, I was reading uh, yesterday, and that was about some of the trials and struggles these field preachers like Whitfield encountered um, in there. So because, you know, when the gospel goes out, it's not always welcome. And that was the case in some of these towns. And uh, the author tells a story in 1741 at a town called Bala. Uh, one of these preachers, Hal Harris, was uh, was there preaching in the field and the local clergyman in, I'll quote here, in what he called an effort to defend the church, opened a barrel of beer on the main street and used it to entice a mob to attack the <gasps> evangelist. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, it says, the fury of the persecutors was such that one of them fell into a fit from the transport of his passion. Another was loud for hurling Harris from the top of a rock into the lake hard by. The women also were as fiendish as the men, for they besmeared him with mire while their companions belaboured him with their fists and clubs, inflicting such wounds that his path could be marked in the street by the crimson stains of his blood. My goodness. That's a vicious attack. Yeah. So it wasn't like it was, you know, all rosy, everything. These guys are big heroes. It was could be really brutal. And so, yeah, these preachers, they tended to be very brave and they were like, yeah, willing to suffer for Christ. But, um, yeah, it was a rowdy time. And so I read I that. I'm- yeah. yeah. I'm curious about what the distinction between the local church minister and the field preacher was. Is that clear? Uh, not in this particular case, but, mm. um, yeah, sometimes uh, the uh, the local clergymen were about just maintaining order and, mm. um, uh, yeah, keeping the peace and you know, that's always the, tem- the, the traps of uh, formal religion. So mm, mm, um, mm. if, uh, yeah, George Whitfield would come through and people would start um, wanting to change things in the town or, or do good works or uh, demand that tough things were preached or call people to repentance, and yeah. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just read that. I love hearing the stories. I'm very thankful for the pastors and preachers like that because uh, mm. I think indirectly we've, We've be benefited down the line as, um, uh, yeah, their their influence had an influence on our former, you know, chaplains and uh, Bible teachers and so on. Mm. Uh, and also wonder, like, how would I go in that situation? Would I embark on field preaching <laughs> if I was in the awakening? <laughs> would, I, would I cope? Um, I don't know, but uh, it's great to hear of people who have. Well, that sounds like a very engaging read. I'm keen to hear more. Yeah, well, I'll share some f- stories in the future if we uh, come across more yeah. interesting things about the life of George Whitfield. 
Um, and what years was he? It was the 1700s. Yeah, right? I th- think 1740s is, is, a, is okay. a key time, both in the Britain and in North America. He travelled back and forth. Hmm. Well, it's been great to chat to you, Richard. It has, yeah. yeah. Uh, any more whale watching for you this weekend? <laughs> Probably not, but uh, I'm sure I can find something else <laughs> to think to talk about maybe. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> Who many knows? Things. So many things. <laughs> All right. I look forward to catching up next time. Thanks, Joe. Sounds good. See you, Richard. Bye.